SMC Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the SMC Podcast. Today in the studio, we have Michael Forney, who is the Assistant Superintendent to the Southern, Southern Michigan Conference of the Free Methodist Church, works in leadership development and uh, helping churches turn around and all kinds of things. And uh, with uh, the movie Mission Impossible just coming out, he's here to make your churches action-packed. Because uh, when I asked him what he wanted to talk about today, he told me, Facing the impossible. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. So, why don't you why don't you give us a little synopsis here uh, on this topic? Obviously, uh, it's impossible to maybe give us the whole rundown, but <laughs> give us a little bit of it. You know. Well, what's what's causing me to think about it is is oftentimes uh, at different places in our life or ministry, we come up against obstacles that seem to be impossible that there's nothing that we can do, say, uh, anything within our control to change the situation. And it's, uh, it's easy to become discouraged when we face those situations. I work with a lot of turnaround pastors in situations where the church has been plateaued or declining. And, and it seems like no matter how hard we work, no matter what we do, oftentimes uh, we aren't seeing the results we want. And so it's easy to look at the situation and say, if only this, if only that, if only we had more money, if only we had different people, if only we had, if only, if only, if only. And this phrase, if only, is really a statement of fear. And in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, this idea of fear is one of running away running away from our problems or running away from what intimidates us or what brings anxiety. And as I've really uh, thought about it and prayed and in my, my own life, just realizing there is no situation that's impossible with God. And there's no situation that we face as leaders that the solution isn't, isn't readily available to us. And um, it's easy to lose sight of that when there's uh, so much negative um, or massive challenges in front of us. But the Bible says that it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And I really believe that after 30 plus years of ministry, I believe that more today than I ever have. And no matter what you're facing presently, no matter how discouraged you are, no, no matter how impossible the situation seems, Jesus can make a way. And uh, I think it, it, but it requires us not responding with fear, but responding with faithful obedience. And so that's kind of where my head is at today. Awesome. So would you say um, that facing the impossible, like, if a pastor's doing something right, is he going to end up facing the impossible? Or is that, like, subject of something a pastor's doing wrong? Well, I think by definition, being a leader in a church is an impossible job. Uh, you know, the Lord is the head of the church, 
and he's invited us to partner with him in what he's doing. So by definition, it's something he's doing. Uh, we can't we can't be him. I mean, at the at the end of the day, we're not the savior, and and we're not the head of the church. He and so when he's invited us into this process. Everything about the ministry should be beyond us because it's his work. It's his extension. Um, so I, I don't know that if you're doing your job well as a pastor that you're not somewhat always facing the impossible. It's true. I feel like uh, it, I think most pastors would agree. Every time that you feel like you want to make like a step forward or do something beyond what you're currently doing, there's this huge pushback that just it makes it so difficult that you just like you don't you don't know if it's the right thing to do it and push people into it or if it's like do I work with them where they're at and just stay here is that the healthy way that we're all (laughs) happy in this spot or that we push forward and possibly lose people uh, possibly people who aren't mature enough to go there disappear yeah. You know, that that oftentimes for me feels like the impossible scenarios where it's, do I push forward? Do I fall back? Um, and and then more importantly, like, which one's the healthier option to feed with milk, like Paul says, with the Corinthian church? Yeah. You know, I'm still giving you milk. Um, or just, like, keep advertising the meat. So um, I don't know if you have any wisdom on, on that. I, I do. Um, my good friend, Dr. Don Ross... Whenever I ask him questions like that, he looks at me and he shrugs and he says, I don't know, what would Jesus want me to do? <laughs> and since Jesus is the Lord of the church, and, and often these things are super contextual, um, you know, there's no general statement. Should I, should I, should I always lean into the, to the weaker ones or should I, or should I call up maturity? Um, I do know this. There is no change or movement forward in any organization that doesn't have tension. Uh, so what you're feeling whenever a change is going to come is you, you start to feel that tension and that resistance because everything wants to be the way it always was. And so when we start to propose change and we start to propose uh, movement, then we start to get we start to get that tension rise. Now you and I live in Michigan. And right outside, right now, it's snowing and cold. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're grateful when our tire has tension with the road because that creates traction. I don't and, know anything about <laughs> yeah. that. But, uh. <laughs> well, I know because I had just even a few weeks ago, we had a little ice storm that came through. And um, my tires did not have tension with the road at a couple of points that that gave me a little bit of excitement, but, um, you know, so, so it's necessary for that tension between the surface of the tire and the surface of the road for forward progress to happen. Same thing's true in, in a church, except it's relational tension. And we have this relational tension that's necessary to move forward. But when is it too much tension and when is it not enough tension those are questions that we have to discern together um, with Jesus mm. and um, in any given situation. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, throughout the years, that has been one of my biggest struggles is just like, okay, 
all we're doing at this point is showing up Sunday mornings. What can I do to get people more involved and trying like every different idea out yeah. there under the sun to do it. And then getting the same response every single time is just people's lives are too busy to do anything other than just like Sunday morning. Uh, when we decided to switch to dinner church, like my ultimate fear was like, I'm now asking people rather than commit to uh, one hour to volunteer in some way, well, hour and a half, to come to church just for an hour and a half. I'm now asking them to volunteer in some way uh, on a regular basis and commit to a service that lasts up to two and a half hours on top of showing up early or late, depending yeah. on what your volunteer is. And I remember, you know, it took some time to, like, get the board on board with it. Um, and because we were switching not just from morning but to night. Um, and then I remember when we brought it up to the church, just, like, the look on so many people's faces, like, we don't have time or how are we going to do this and so on. Uh-huh. And I'm amazed that we just kept pressing through with what God was doing and kept trying to vision cast what we what we felt the head of the church was doing. I can only think of one person at this point that left after all that, uh, when my ultimate fear was losing, you know, the majority mm-hmm. of the church to it. Uh, so it's amazing when you do face the impossible and really look at it. Like, I was surprised, like, wow, we're so many hearts here are so much healthier than I could have anticipated because everybody yeah. stuck through it because they felt like God was calling us to it in the end. So, and I think everybody's really enjoyed it now that we've we've done it. So I've seen when you face the impossible, uh, you often can't come out the other side and look back and, and be like, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, well, you didn't think you'd make it, but you did. Even in your circumstance, though, you're you're leaving out the most important part of the story, hmm. and I think it's really at the crux of what um, at at what I was feeling like talking about today, which is um, most of us get stuck because we start in the wrong place. Mm. And that's, we we get stuck and, and we're afraid and it seems impossible because we're concerned about controlling other people. You know, what are other people going to do? What what are these people in the congregation going to do? What How is this particular person going to respond or not respond? And, and um when at the heart of it, Jesus is asking us to do something. And so one of the things that, that as pastors we, I think, frequently forget is that the biblical model in Scripture is always me first. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always God wants to do it in my life. And, and the good news about that is, Jamin, if God wants to do something in my life, what's the only barrier to that? Me, right? So the good news is I have control about whether or not I'm going to submit to Jesus. I can always say yes to Jesus. Now, I don't always say yes to Jesus, but I can always say yes to Jesus. So um, I think that one of the, the, I don't know, uh, annoying truths about uh, (laughs) leading a church is this idea that I have to personally transform before my church can transform. And, I, and I, I've walked this journey with you as you've gone to dinner church, and there were so many days and, and prayerful times and of God doing a work in your heart, because this had to change the way you worked. It, ha- it yeah. had to change your investment. It had to change your, 
your whole way of, of doing things and, and you had to lay down some of your preferences and and you just a just few, a few <laughs> and and you had it but for the sake of the mission, but because you did, hmm. um, what we don't often think about is if the only change happens happens in the heart of the leader, everything else changes. Uh, it's one of the beauties of God's uh, creation. He created humanity in community in such a way that if one person changes, it, it changes the entire community. Hmm. And so there's this uh, often this sense of facing an impossibility because we're worried about changing everybody, but God's just worried about changing somebody, and that somebody is me. And uh, I, I just, um, I take a lot of comfort, you know, this going back to this scripture that says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Doesn't say Christ and all of the other people. It says Christ in you. And um, when, when we respond individually to Jesus by saying yes, and we allow God to do this work, even if that's the only thing. So in your in your church and in the church that you lead, and your your you feel like the vision is that God wants to take you over here, and you don't see how that's possible. You don't see where the money is. You don't see where the resources are. If you just began to say yes to Jesus in your heart, um, and you your perspective begins to change, um, God begins to open up the resource, and and often the resource is there it's just in seed form so we didn't recognize it for what it was you know uh, but but all of that comes from a perception in my heart that changes because of Christ um, I'm able to see and do and act differently the beauty of that is is fr- you know we come from the free Methodist tradition the freedom that is in that is that there is no, interference with that so i can always submit to jesus i am free to do it at any and every time and as i submit to jesus greater and greater freedom greater and greater vision he's able to do what he wants to do in his church and that um that's where we get unstuck yeah that's a great point i mean if you think of any any great revivalist throughout the ages like it it did always start with them from at least from the few yeah. that I'm thinking like John Wesley you know he's a rather legalistic missionary in Georgia doing n- not the greatest job uh, anyways plenty of stories we could get into there but then he comes back he's all kind of torn apart but then here's Martin Luther's you know uh, speech and the famous his heart's strangely warm and like everything just changes from there he's let God do a work in himself and it causes him to boldly say and do a lot of things that eventually create the whole uh, Methodist movement. Uh, yeah, so nothing changed in his reality. Yeah. He changed. Yeah. And God's ability to work in him changed. And I've seen this so so many times in my own life where I felt like I don't even know how you're going to get this done. Um, I, I've been blessed many times to lead what others might call explosive revival um, situations where, you know, we grew, uh, I'll give you, uh, for instance, like one time I was 
uh, a youth pastor and we had just about, I don't know, a dozen, maybe two dozen kids. And um, over time, God helped us to grow that to over 300 kids. And mm-hmm. and it always started the same way. So I'm a big believer in prayer. And um, so w- wherever I went in ministry, I would start I would start a prayer meeting. And frankly, people aren't too excited about prayer, <laughs> Jamin. So and those that are sometimes are a little wacky. That's a different podcast. <laughs> but um, you know, I I would start this prayer meeting. And it would just be me, you know, and I would be, I'd be there praying. I, I come from a little bit of a charismatic background, so we pray at full volume out loud. And so I would be in a room just, just praying up a storm, and it would be myself. And I would announce that, hey, there's this prayer meeting. You're welcome to join me. Um, I didn't shame people. I didn't get, guilt people into it, but uh, I always showed up. I was there. I was praying. And uh, for whatever reason, it always happened like about three months in, so after three months of just me pouring my heart out to God, asking him to do miraculous things, about three months in, somebody else would show up. Yeah, so at three months in, it always happened that somebody would show up. And at first it would be one person. And then a week or two later, somebody else would show up. And then before you know it, you know, six months in, we've got 30 people uh, praying at the top of their lungs, praying over each other. I mean, God can hear all that confusing noise, but... Um, but earnestly seeking God to do something. And, and as a result of that, um, that overflowed into our ministry and our services, into our gatherings. And, and uh, through that, people would come to faith in Christ. People would show up that we didn't know how they got there, and they didn't know how they got there. And, and people would be empowered with boldness to invite their friends or to, to, to do whatever. And we saw these moves of, of God where people were responding to God but it, but it always started with a long period of just me saying yes to Jesus um, and, and praying for him and his vision to be made manifest first in me and then in the, in the church that I serve. And I, we see this pattern in scripture. We see that this isn't unique to me. Um, this is something that, that anybody can. And the beauty of this Beauty of this is you don't need any money to do that. You don't you don't need any expertise to do that, right? You all of us can invest in um, saying yes to Jesus by um, by sa- by submitting to whatever it is He's asking us to do. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, a lot of the places I've been that have blown up over time too. You always look back and it had that feature of. People showing up to pray. It's actually one of the convictions on someone at our own church is just saying, people aren't praying anymore. It was like, okay. <laughs> they, <laughs> they just always know when things are happening. So sure. uh, that convicted someone else, and we're trying to show up to just pray before service. Um, I know I found a lot of times, uh, and that's a different podcast too, but um, sometimes part of the reason people don't enjoy prayer is uh, they've only been taught from like an intercessory angle, you know. And, sure. For a lot of people, prayer is just showing up and praying the same five words over and over again, you know. Heal Jim, would you please heal Jim? Jim needs your healing. Healy, heal, heal. <laughs> you know, I was like, how many times do I say this before he hears me? Uh, and sometimes that prayer session, like, it comes back to while you're praying or conversating with him, he begins to talk to you. Absolutely. And when you're not just talking to him but also listening back, that starts to change you. 
starts to create the space for you to get out there. So yeah, um, so that's that's one of the most practical steps I think that you've uh, just put right out there. If you're going to face the impossible, you got to start with prayer. Uh, what are some of the other practical steps that would move you forward? Yeah, not just prayer um, in the sense of speaking, because that you know that's again you've pointed out. Um, I think in the American church, we're super good tellers. Mm-hmm. We tell God what to do. We tell everyone else what to do. But there is a piece of this that's reflective prayer. You know, Jesus, what's going on in me? So, so imagine you're in a situation where you just don't know what to do. You have a vision for the future. Um, you know that God's not through with your church. And, and you just have a vision for where he wants to go. And you cannot figure out how to get there. You know, the, the best thing to do is to, is, to, is to make it your prayer. God, if um, what is it within my heart that you could change that would create the most change in my church? What is it within me? What can I do in my heart? And, and what would you want to, what do you want to do in me that would, you know, or, or often I'll ask, what's the biggest obstacle inside of me <laughs> that's preventing the change you want to see in my church? You know, that's a, that's a painful question, by the way, because Jesus always answers, and there's always something. And Even when you think you know it, what I it know, was, I'm he's like, you. no, it's this other yeah, thing. Yeah, it's this other thing. Um, but, the, but the beauty of that is he's so gracious and kind to uh, work if we need freedom he gives freedom if we need forgiveness he gives forgiveness um, if, if it's something we have to work through he's right there with us uh, to help us and and um, I, I've just found that as we practice this reflective piece of Jesus here's my heart search me oh God as David would say and see what's here if we're willing to say yes so it's, it's not as productive if he shows us and then we say no. <laughs> but if we're willing to say yes, that one thing, even if it's two months, three months down the road, just that one thing of saying yes to Jesus and submitting to him changes everything. And it, it, it's really not logical. So, I mean, one of the things that has always befuddled me over time is how could God do something in my life that nobody else even knows about and yet it changed everything and how people r- respond to me, how fruitful I am in ministry. Or, I mean, this isn't even something anybody knew. But yet, by saying yes to Jesus, there, it just releases something in a different way. So I wrote a book with uh, one of my dear friends and mentors, Ron Keast, uh, called Gravity. And in the book, we talk about how when uh, in our soul, when we submit to Jesus and we say yes, God forms within us uh, what we call soul mass, which is some kind of spiritual weight or just a character weight that influences other people and influences our environment in ways that are kind of inexplicable and mysterious. But just by God doing a work in my heart, it, it can change my circumstances completely. And I've seen it time and time again in my own life when there are things that I finally say, I'm going to say yes to Jesus and I'm going to lay this down. Um, and God does that work in my heart. It changes how people interact with me. It, it changes how I see the world. It, it changes the fruitfulness of, of my activity. 
and um, it sounds like I'm, you know, being a health and wealth gospel person. You know, if you only do this, then your whole world will change. You'll get a better dog, a bigger house. But, but that's, that's really not what I'm trying to say. Something happens within us, and, and because of that, um, our world changes. And I, I believe that's what the apostle was referring to when he made that statement of Christ in you is the hope of glory. Because as Christ takes up greater and greater residence in our heart, it just changes everything. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any other practical steps that you want to just toss to people facing the impossible? Yeah, I think one thing that has really helped me, and it goes to this issue of fear. So um, if, if the fear that's talked about in the Gospels, where, where Paul says, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind, that fear that he's talking about here is that fear that means running away. Um, I, I had a friend once tell me at a very critical time in my life where I felt completely trapped. I could not see a way out. I, I felt like God hated me. I felt like I was in a cage. And uh, my friend who had the gift of blunt said to me... <laughs> oh, that's a uh, thing. Good. It is a thing. I know quite uh, a few people with that. He said, you know, Michael, you're, you're in a cage of your own making. And he said, it's because you refuse to see um, or acknowledge or own... Uh, what's right in front of you. And he said, listen, don't be afraid of the facts. Don't, don't be afraid of even negative information because once you see it, you have been given empowerment by God. You can live and lead in response to what you see. But when you're willfully blind, you're submitting to bondage and you can't, you can't get out of that trap. So he gave me the phrase, sight is life. Hmm. And I have leaned into that phrase over and over again to just say, Lord, give me sight. And good or bad, whatever's going on in my life, convict me, open my eyes. Um, if we get bad news, you know, you know the people that send you those encouragement notes at the <laughs> end of every week. You know, if we get those kind of negative uh, comments and so on, you know, as if they're... If they're I'm not talking about abuse here, so I want to make that really clear. Uh, there are people that are just abusive and critical, and that's not helpful. But but when we see um, truth and we acknowledge the truth, the truth can set us free. And even if it's bad news, if we can see it, we can lead differently. And I just want to encourage every pastor, every person listening to this podcast, if you're in a situation that feels impossible where you're stuck and you're thinking there's just no way out of this, I just want to encourage you to be courageous and to face whatever unpleasant truth is in front of you and submit it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix me. But if you will do work in my heart in relationship to this, I'm willing to say yes. And if you take that posture you will never be stuck, and there will never be an impossible situation. It might be impossible without God, but with God, there's nothing that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, there's a quote that comes to my mind while you were saying that. Uh, I don't know if it's applicable or not. 
it's a C.S. Lewis quote, so a lot of times you got to like uh, well, mull it over a few times until you even understand what it means. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of his more famous quotes that uh, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has ris- risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Yeah. Uh, and I just take that back a little bit to yeah. what you were saying. Once you recognize you know, the truth that's there and the freedom that's there, and you can live in that and allow that to be the way that you see the world allow that to be you know the sun rather than uh, all that all that other stuff it starts to kind of shape your mind uh, maybe i'm taking it out of context no i think this is great it, it doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy mm. but when you um see by the sunlight if you will if, if you take that uh to mean christ mm. right as he shows you the truth even the hard truth and we can own that hard truth uh, we now are free to live in, in response to him with that truth. And everything changes because of that. And so, you know, he's with us in that. No matter how hard, no matter how crazy, no, no matter how, um, you know, impossible it seems, when we're willing to open up the truth, he's the truth, capital T. He's with us and present and we can get through and our circumstances will change, and what previously seemed impossible will become plausible and then become our testimony. Yeah. Well, this is great. I hope everybody who's listening catches on to You know, a lot of times when you tune into things like this, uh, you expect, like, here's your five-step program to get, <laughs> to get out and, and find everything you're looking for, and yet uh, we just spent a good half hour here just kind of Hitting on the basics, allow God to change you, pray, uh, allow him to work in you, and, and watch what that does with everything else as you face the impossible. Yeah, the super practical answer, say <laughs> yes to Jesus. That's So there you go. Maybe there we'll just go. edit it. I'll, I'll just say edit yes it. Jesus. 30 be, seconds 20, long. 20 say second yes podcast. to Jesus. Yeah, there you go. We'll see you all next solved. week. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much to Michael Forney to yeah, talk with us today. Um, I think I forgot to say who I am at the beginning. If I did, I'm Jamie Bradley, uh, one of the pastors here in the Southern Michigan Conference. And we've got uh, more of these podcasts coming up, probably on a weekly basis, though uh, we are coming up on the holidays and we're just getting started. So it may be a bit spotty for the next few weeks, but uh, we'll we'll keep you all informed with some good things to think about. As always, uh, we here in the Southern Michigan Conference, especially this year, our focus is on multiplying. Uh, so we're looking for some creative ways to get out there and, and really uh, touch souls for Christ with the, the soul mass, if you will, and the real mass that uh, our bodies <laughs> carry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so with that being said, uh, thanks for joining us today, everyone. Podcast. <laughs>